Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Online, I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. Um, why not say I'm the pastor, Homer Hargrove? I just want to be that much more approachable. Um, <laughs> We are continuing our series, Easy Mistakes, and today we are talking about Joshua, son of Nun, and he is the person that um, take, uh, leads Israel after Moses dies in the Old Testament. And Joshua was a man that was with Israel um, all the way from Egypt. He's one of the few people that lived long enough to be, in, uh, to be a slave in Egypt lived through the the wilderness all the decades that they survived in the wilderness being led by god to seeing uh israel's uh repent then uh sinfully worship calves and golden images to repenting to all the all of the back and forth they did in the wilderness joshua saw it all and he is one of the very few people that lived that long to be able to tell the tale and we're going to look at his life in a couple moment uh, of a couple months where we can see some easy mistakes this is a great man of god amazing leadership um but we we can learn so much from the mistakes that we see and it again helps us to see that everybody is human it helps us to keep a humble heart knowing that everybody makes mistakes and we learn from each other and we learn from history um, to not repeat itself by learning from these kinds of mistakes y'all feel me so the, the first thing we're going to look at, at Joshua is the idea of, I'm pretty much done. Anyone ever say that before? Working on a, a project, maybe you think back when you're in high school working on that group project, well, I'm pretty much done with my part. And then all of a sudden, the due date happens and you realize you're actually not that done. <laughs> and, and you're frantically trying to finish because you're pretty much done which meant that you did not finish. <laughs> and there's a lot of, and then when you're actually doing like, I should have done this before, I should have done this earlier. And this I'm pretty much done attitude is a very easy one to fall into. Not finishing what you started will undo what you've done. Not finishing what you have started will undo what you have done. And this is a really uh, aggravating thing to realize because in the moment of slight laziness and procrastination, we just have this mindset like, I've already done so much, it's pretty much done, what's the worst that could happen? I want you to put that ideology in baking a cake. If you were to, to bake a cake 80% done, that's pretty much done, right? And you take it out prematurely. Is it really edible? <laughs> it, and even if you eat that mooey, gooey, mushy cake, it will upset your stomach, won't it? But you've already done so much work. You've already done almost everything. You're pretty much done. See, all that work would be for nothing if you didn't finish it. What about 90% cooked chicken? What's wrong with that, right? What's the worst that could happen? I'm pretty much cooked it. What's the worst that could happen? 
Anyone that's had food poisoning, yeah, exactly. I'm so leery of eating chicken, no matter who cooks it, because I'm terrified that I'm just going to get salmonella again. It's like you get that too many times. I do not trust Subway at all, okay? Uh, no. I've gotten it one too many times. They're like, okay, this is ridiculous. And I just don't trust chicken. It's an evil animal. I've, I'm convinced. But it shows us that truly you're not done until you're done. And if you're just pretty much done, it will undo everything you really have done. I sound like I'm a Dr. Seuss book, right? <laughs> Let's look at Joshua. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, it says, But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully regarding the things designated for destruction. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebedee, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the designated things. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Then they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do, do not have all the people go up. Have only about two or 3,000 men go and attack Ai. Do not trouble all the people, because, uh, people there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck and killed about 36 of their men and pursued them down from the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them on the mountainside. And the hearts of the people melted and became like water out of fear. So this scenario is the first battle after Jericho. Jericho was the very first city that they overtook as a nation. And God instructed the people to not take anything for themselves. No plunder, no gold, no silver, no uh, uh, animals, nothing. And Achan secretly took um, some, uh, some artifacts, some silver, and he buried it and hid it because uh, it was the first time they saw something valuable in so many years. And... Because of his sin and disobeying, it caused all of Israel to fail this day. The reason that it was Joshua that had the mistake is because everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And Joshua experienced a moment of overconfidence, a moment of pride, and it cost the morale, motivation of all the people it cost them the momentum that they built. They're like, we're finally entering the promised land. And they're all excited and ready to go. And now their hearts have melted like, uh, like water. Um, and it also cost the lives of 36 men. 36 people that died needlessly. That didn't have to die. All of which could have been avoided if he did two big things. The first mistake is... He did not consult with God before the battle as he did before. He did not consult with God before the battle as he did before. If he was more intentional with this battle, if he was more intentional, it would have been a life-saving battle. If he was more intentional, that intention would have been time-saving, energy-saving, and life-saving. All he had to do was be intentional about the battle. But because so many times when we have already done so much work, we take on this mindset of, well, I'm pretty much done. 
and we, we start to slip in our intention. You ever been washing dishes before and you just had a lot of dishes that had to be washed and you finish the job and then someone else in the house says, who washed this? <laughs> who washed this? You washed so many of them, but you started to lose the intention that the elbow grease that you had at the first dish, like get that grease out of there. Yeah. But near the last one, you're like, oh, I'm pretty much done. See, it takes intention all the way through for the job to really be done right. Y'all feel me? And the intention that Joshua had at first has slipped in this moment, even just after the first battle. When we are intentional and go to God first, it always is a saving work. It always saves us in our time, our energy, and it even saves our lives. With God's help and direction, we are able to do more with less and do it faster. Very rarely do people accidentally succeed. Very rarely do people accidentally succeed. Those who do are very intentional with their success. They, they are hungry for that success. They want to succeed in whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. And it is not by accident that they get there. It, uh, this really makes me think a lot about marriage. Marriage, anyone that's ever been married before, married now, married in the past, knows that is once after the, the engagement process, after the, the honeymoon phase, it's actually not easy. And it takes an adequate amount of intention from both people in a marriage for it to be a happy marriage. But most of the time we just think, well, we're pretty much already happy. <laughs> we're pretty much done in our marriage. We're, and you just, all that intention begins to fade. And once the intention fade, so does all, all the, the saving time of energy, saving of lives. The other part that, uh, that he made a mistake in is that he did not finish strong. It goes hand in hand, intention and completion. And he only sent in the whole army after being given a humiliating defeat. He started with just, no, oh, just send two, three thousand men. And because he didn't have the mindset of finishing strong, it, his, it really was a laziness that caused him to look at his mission as mostly done and thought everything will just fall into place. Ever said that before? Like, oh, I'm sure everything will fall into place. What that means is it's stressing me out to think too much about this, so I'm going to just procrastinate, and, and hopefully it all just falls into place. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And even though it sounds nice and sounds hopeful and even sounds like we're just like, we got our vibrations up, we're in tune with the universe, you know? Like everything will just work out. Um, that's not really always the case, is it? <laughs> I want to share this verse. Um, did y'all know that in Proverbs 19, 24, it says, Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. This is a really peculiar verse. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. It means that laziness is not just sitting on the couch all day. I feel like when we hear the word lazy, we immediately think of like, 
like someone that doesn't work, doesn't just sit at home all day. They just, all they do is play video games and watch TV. When you actually see laziness in action, it is at work, isn't it? Those coworkers, the people that you work with, that's when you see laziness the most. It's not at home on the couch. It's while people are working. That's where we see laziness. It's especially seen in not finishing a job or a task. We imagine laziness to never start the job or task in the first place, but it's actually seen in the middle of the job, in, in the middle of the work actually being done. That's where laziness is peaked, in the middle of work. We often just wait and work so long to get where we want to be, but once we're almost there, we start to relax prematurely. It's almost like the minute that we see a glimpse of what we've wanted, we, we don't reach out and grab it. It, I, it makes me think about all the times where even myself, coworkers, people that I know, where it's like they wanted that job so bad. It's all they could talk about. And even in the interview, they're like all nervous. Like, oh, like I hope I get this job. And they say all the right things, you know, like, oh, I'm the best worker you've ever seen. And I, I wake up every day at 6 a.m. Just to, just to think about my day at work. Like, it's, you just want the job so bad. And then after a week of working there, you start to show up late. After just a week of working there, I was like, someone else should be doing that. <laughs> and just like that, we've taken food in our hand, but we won't lift it to our mouths to eat it. We've got the job, but we don't really want to stay at that job, do we? <laughs> it happens all the time. Oh, man, is this not a perfect example for relationships? Whether you're just dating or whether you're, you're married... Oh, I want to be with them so bad. I can't wait to, if, oh man, if they, the minute that they come single again, I'm hopping on that. I'm going to ask them out the minute that they're single. I, I might not even wait. <laughs> and then you actually get to be with that person. And after just a couple months, you're like, why are you calling me all the time? I just texted you. Why are you calling they're just a friend. You need to just, you're so jealous. Ah. <laughs> I need some space. We hang out all the time. <laughs> so you took it in your hand, but once you, once you got there, you really didn't want to eat of its fruit. You didn't really want to do the work that it takes to keep it, to make it useful. Happens in marriages all the time. The minute people get married, why do we need to go on a date anymore? Why do I need to get flowers anymore? You know, this is essential to understanding that we often stop trying right when we get there. And then we wonder why we're so unfulfilled. We've made a great mistake. And we've allowed our intention to slip. We've allowed laziness to creep in. You are truly not done until it's done. I, I'm married until death do us part. I remember when I asked my mom for Lauren's uh, engagement ring. 
I said, oh, don't you have uh, my my dad's old engagement ring? Because they were divorced. I was like, well, maybe they still have their rings. That's my, Mine is my dad's old ring. I was like, I'll renew that sparkle to that, that old wedding ring. <laughs> and my dad told me, do you really want a ring from a failed marriage? I said, oh, don't worry. I'm not relying on luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I asked my mom, she said, oh, I sold your dad's ring right away. It's like, oh. But I do have my grandmother's ring. I was like, that's even more sentimental. I mean, I don't really, I never really knew my grandma, but yeah, I could tell her, like, this was my grandmother's ring. And, and, and she told me, well, I was kind of wanting to save it for one of your sisters, because what if y'all get divorced and I don't get my ring back? I said, don't worry, Mom. I, I'm, I'm going to be very intentional with this marriage. I'm going to follow through. And I said, you can have it if Lauren ever dies because it's going to be till death do us part. My job as a husband is not done until his death do us part. That was my commitment. You are not done until it's done. Whatever your commitments are, you're not done until it's done. And you need to finish what you started. We have a return policy on everything we commit to in life. And we really need to obliterate that out of our hearts, out of our minds, and just know that we need to finish what we've started. Especially when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your marriage or restoring relationships, whatever it is, you need to finish what you started. You, it's okay to get tired. It's okay to feel overwhelmed, to get stressed out. But we need to just jump back on the horse and finish what we started. Y'all feel what I'm saying? That being said, let's go on to the second thing. And that is, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. The most common ingredient to self-sabotage is ignoring the details. I'm sure it's fine. I don't really need to look. Do you still all smoke? I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Famous last words of a house burnt down. <laughs> do, you, do you think we need to check on the kids? I'm sure they're fine. Said that literally the other night while we were out with, uh, by the way, Lauren's parents here today. Uh, uh, dad coming in from Colorado, stepmom here. Yeah, welcome. We, we went out to eat the first night that they came in and Lauren leaned over to me like, do you think the kids are okay? I said, I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> She pulled out her phone right away because she's the mom, you know. I'm just the dumb dad. And I'm like, why you they've been sleeping fine for the last several like weeks. They're fine. I'm sure they're fine. Let me just check. <laughs> pulls out her phone. Jules starts throwing up as soon as she pulls out the phone. <laughs> In bed, wakes up crying and screaming. And she's like, you think she's okay? I'm sure she's fine. Just, she'll go back to sleep. <laughs> Little baby thrown up in the bed. She's like, oh my God, call, call Tamara. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess good thing you looked. <laughs> good thing you checked. See, so many times we get stuck in the same procrastinating idea to where we don't want to check the details. It's too, much, too time consuming. It takes more energy sometimes looking at the details than it does just getting the title ready. Let me, let's look at this issue here. After they, they uh, had uh, won that battle at AI, this is what follows soon after. It says, 
So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for counsel of the Lord. And Joshua made a peace with them, made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. They swore to uh, an oath to the people of Gibeon, who were one of the next cities that they were supposed to overtake. One of the next nations they were supposed to overtake to, uh, to enter the promised land of Israel. But the people of Gibeon were terrified because they believed in God so, uh, their God so much. They believed in Israel's God and that they were going to surely enter into the land that their God promised them. And they've been seeing this huge miraculous event happening right, uh, right at their doorstep. And so they disguised themselves and put on old rags that seemed like they were all patched and holes in them. And they loaded their camels with, uh, with old bread that was moldy, all this food that was uh, old and tainted. And so that when they showed up to greet Israel, they said, we came from a really far place away. <laughs> Look, the bread we took was freshly baked when we left, and now it's all moldy. And so they lied and deceived them and thinking that they were not one of the nearing nations, and they made a covenant with these people because they didn't look at the details. They didn't consult God in this moment, and they didn't pay attention, and they were still, uh, they were still being blinded by the, what they wanted, that they didn't pay attention to the details. In this moment, Joshua and the leaders of Israel failed to be mindfully present of way, where they were at. They failed in paying attention to detail, and they were blinded by their over, the overconfidence in their own judgment and wanting to just hurry up and finish the job. So we got one side is like, it's pretty much done. We don't need to finish. Now they're like, we just need to finish. We just need to get it done. How many mistakes have happened when we just need to get it done? It, this is a moment where they're trying to rush now, this overcompensation moment, and it, they're also in a moment to where we've already we've already defeated two cities. We know what we're doing. We've been ready for this. We've been prepared. And so their overconfidence and their judgment blinded them. Have you ever just knew you were right even though you didn't know that you were right? <laughs> the last fight I had with my spouse, yes. <laughs> that, you knew that you were right, but you didn't know why you were right. You just felt it. This is the moment where that they trusted their own perception, their own judgment more than they should have. They should have paid attention to detail. They should have asked God and he would have told them. They were just trying to rush. And details in life can dramatically change the truth of the headline. The truth of the headline, we're friends from far away. The details change that headline completely. Politics is a great example of that. Do you know that our, the U.S. news outlets, there was a recent poll done uh, internationally across many different nations, and it was a poll to see what, uh, what country had the most trusted news in its, within its country. And the U.S. was uh, near last on this poll. From other countries! <laughs> Other countries are paying more attention to detail than we are. And why is that? Because we have so many different news outlets all saying something completely different. Every headline is something different. 
And you only really know the truth is if you pay attention to the details. There's so many times where I would read a headline like, oh my God, that sounds insane. But because it was so insane, I was like, let me see about this. This is like way too crazy. Like, I can't believe this happened. And just investigating out of pure, uh, out of pure curiosity of, of wanting to understand why this was so crazy, I realized that it was all just uh, fabricated. The title was misleading on purpose. Gasp. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> see, so often we're just trying to get done and move on. We're trying to get done and move on. That we don't take the time to be present in the moment. We don't take time to be present in the moment. And it's only when we allow ourselves to be in the current moment that we are able to examine what's in front of us. So many times we are not present because we're zoned out. We have conditioned ourselves to be somewhere else in our minds all of the time. Whether it's at work, at home, or even out with friends, we consistently put ourselves somewhere else through our phones, TV, or daydreaming. Isn't it funny that while we're at work, we're always just thinking, uh, we're trying to think about, oh man, I can't, can't wait to get home. Once we get home, we want to be somewhere else. We just can't be present, can we? Even when you're out at a restaurant, maybe you're at the club with some friends and you're thinking of where else to be. <laughs> Do y'all not see how insane this is? That we literally can't sit still where we're at. Me and Lauren, we have like a rule to where we, we, don't, we just don't get on our phones when we're having quality time together. If we go out to eat, you won't see us on our phone unless it's to check our kids or to see what time it is. You know, simple, you know, like things like that. But we don't, we don't look through our phone. We don't scroll or do anything because we want to be present in that moment. And it's insane. One of the, when we first like, made this intention, we'd go out to restaurants. And while we were waiting or something, I remember one time in particular seeing a mom on her phone with her teenage daughter right next to her. And the teenage daughter was like trying to talk to her. And the mom was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And the teenage daughter even started trying to like look what's on the mom's phone. And eventually she just got on her phone too. Yeah, sad, devastating. Uh -huh. But we do that all the time, so what's the big deal? It's just a moment that we paid attention to it. Even yeah. on the beach, everywhere we go, we're zoned out somewhere else. And in this moment, we should really learn from Joshua and the leaders of Israel to pay attention because there is events happening right in front of us and we don't see it before me and Lauren got married I was really young and intimidated and so I asked almost everybody that I could find about marriage advice and it was really interesting to find out what people would say uh, when it came to advice I'm, I remember one person in particular, that a guy that was just divorced, who wanted to be back with his wife, had a moment of realization that he never paid attention. All the women are like, amen. <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> so he, he has this moment, and he's telling me 
saying, I did, you know, learn from me because I didn't pay attention enough. And he said, I would come home from work and I was all tired and just wanted to relax. And she would come up and hug me and kiss me and say, let me sit down first. And I didn't even realize that she had set, you know, set up dinner for me or did, laid out my clothes for, I didn't even pay attention to that. I just went, went in. And he talked about how he didn't pay attention to details like that and that it cost him his marriage. Where she didn't want to have, she, was, she eventually got exasperated and didn't want to have anything to do with him. For him to say that his marriage died at the cost of him not paying attention to details. Let us look at ourselves. How many things have we lost because we didn't pay attention to details? Think about how many people lost their jobs because they didn't pay attention to details. Think about how many parents lost connection with their kids because they didn't pay attention to details. Think about how many kids were struggling with suicidal thoughts or really bad relationships, even going through sexual abuse, but it was overlooked because the people, the adults around them were not paying attention to details. That's almost it every single time. Working with youth and youth ministry for over a decade, almost every single time is because adults weren't paying attention to details. That's the number one reason why uh, kids get sexually abused. The right adults aren't paying attention to details why the ones who are predators are. I hope that this is really expounding of how important it is to pay attention to what's in front of us. If we are able to pay attention to details, it, it can save others' lives as well as our own lives. It could save our job. It could save our marriage. It can save our relationships. If we just pay attention to details, but it requires us to be present, to be here right now. We would avoid so many problems. And so it leads us to our very last point, and that is, what Joshua did exceptionally well. We just talked about how we need to complete things. We need to finish what we started. We talked about how important it is to pay attention to details. I mean, so many times, one of the biggest things Christians say when they're conflicted in their relationship with God is feeling like they just can't feel God or that they can't hear God or can't connect. And oftentimes it's because even while they're trying to connect with God, they're somewhere else in their mind. They can't be present. Now let's look at something that Joshua does exceptionally well. And it's him keeping his commitments. He's, I said I would. Man, why did you do that? I said I would. I can't believe you're here. What, what, how'd you get here in time? I said I would. Joshua is a very powerful Commitment keeper. Keeping true to your word is an expression of godliness. I think it is so hysterical what churches make holiness out to be. I, I, I don't know how many times I've seen a, a title or the, heard a sentence start with 32 ways for you to find holiness in God. <laughs> and they're like just bizarre ways. First of all, stop listening to this kind of music. It's like, yeah, like that could be beneficial, but like that's going to like radically change your life. Sometimes we really need to start with the simple stuff. 
it is actually much more holy to keep true to your word than it is to, to stop watching any kind of movie or any kind of music. There's so many people I knew in ministry that pursued holiness in all these weird ways, but wouldn't even show up on time. They're talking about like ministry leaders, not just like, oh, I'm, I'm late to church. No, you were supposed to be here to help. <laughs> Dude, you, you're paid to be here. <laughs> you're not here. I was just praying. That's so godly. But you know what's also godly? Is <laughs> being true to your word. And the reason that we like to go into the more imaginative forms of holiness is because this one is just like a hard pill to swallow. It's something that's achievable. Gasp. I like more so mystically chasing a sense of holiness rather than just being holy by being on time. <laughs> rather than just being holy by just keeping my word or my promises. For Joshua, look at this moment in uh, Joshua chapter 10, verse 6 through 7. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the valiant warriors. What happens in this moment is all the neighboring cities heard what Gibeon, the, the people of Gibeon did, and uh, deceitfully becoming allies with the Israelites. And the Israelites making that promise to be their ally prematurely without realizing that they were supposed to conquer them, kept their word. And now all of the surrounding nations want to just destroy Gibeon because they just became allies with the enemy. And so as they're about to march up to battle against Gibeon to just destroy it, I want you to think about something. Joshua takes all of the warriors to go defend Gibeon, and he does. they do succeed. They had everything to gain from Gibeon being wiped out. They could have got wiped out. I'm like, well, it's not occupied. Oh, like, <laughs> we can move in now. Now we don't have to have them as a thorn in our flesh. We can actually take in the promised land like this was God. God was punishing them for lying to us. One of the most powerful characteristics about Joshua that we can learn from is his simple, trustworthy commitment to his word. These people of Gibeon, it would have truly just solved their, the Israelites' problems. They could have just even looked at it as God punishing them for lying, but instead Joshua kept his word to be allies and protect them simply because he said he would. That's a, think about that. That's just mind-blowing. He only went out to protect them because he said he would. Joshua had nothing to gain for keeping his word. There's literally nothing he could gain by keeping his word to them. They were already Israelite servants at this point. And it would have still been better off, they would have been better off if they were just annihilated. And it had just been like erasing that mistake. He had nothing to gain by keeping his word. 
In fact, he would have had a lot to gain by breaking his word. Our generation has conditioned itself to not hold on to anything with a grip. I want to let y'all know that I'm not coming at you. I'm not coming at anyone here. I'm not thinking of any specifics. It, this is just so common of a situation that we, we have. I'll, I invite everybody and their mother to church, right? Like all the time, no matter what I'm doing. And one of the most common responses I ever hear, even from people that like are just like super interested in going is, yeah, I'll try to make it. Yeah, if I'm able to. And I'll, I'll, I'm very contra, uh, confrontational, sort of like, well, do you have something else planned? <laughs> Well, no, I, I should be able to. And are you expecting like a? <laughs> are you expecting like your car to break down or something? Like, no, I'm just like I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna most likely be there. <laughs> Why can't you just say that you'll be there? Like, I I, I will most likely. <laughs> I'm gonna try. And I I just I really still to this day I just can't believe it. It's like just to commit to, I mean, sometimes we'll go two hours, you know, our whole service all the time, but generally like we can be done in 90 minutes on sometimes. It's like, that's, that's literally how long it takes some people to get ready in the morning. Like just to start the day. That's a very short time period. That's how much we, if you really just sit down and relax at a restaurant, that's how long it is. That's one movie. That's, that's sometimes just three episodes on our binge watch. (laughs) Some of y'all spend that much time just on, on the toilet and you forget that you're scrolling. <laughs> it's, it's insane. And it's like the commitment is like, yeah, I'm going to try to make it. And it, it just amazes me every time. And that it is just so hard for our generation to commit to anything. I mean, anything. It's, it's almost like we treat our commitments and our words as something meaningless as if like the like everything is just out of our control nothing there's nothing I can really control I mean do we treat anything else like that like like you, you it's like when we set our haircut appointment and you book it do you tell your barber your 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 hairdresser like I'm gonna try to be there yeah. it's like <laughs> You, you make it there on time and even early. Like, you, you don't even move things away. <laughs> like, you even have responsibilities. Like, you call into work to make time for it. Like, no, nah, I can't go. I have something really important I have to do. You push everything out of the way. We have the capacity and ability to do it. But it's like, with church, like, yeah, I'll try. <laughs> I'm going to try to be there. With other commitments, it, it's insane. If it's anything that we don't personally feel like doing at the time, or even have, uh, even when we want to, we just are so scared of commitment or the responsibility of being somewhere if it doesn't immediately affect, uh, uh, benefit us. Even to hangouts, like you can go hang out with your friends and they invite you and you even want to go. And you're like, yeah, I'll try to make it. <laughs> don't you want to go? Yeah, I really want to go. Well, then go. Yeah, I'm going to try. Why? Why? Why is it so hard for us to commit? It, 
it truly is not that the world is so much chaos. Everything is out of our control. But it is it goes deep down into this this self-benefiting uh, responsibility that we take. We only take responsibilities that are immediately self-benefiting to us. And even if we don't if we even if we want to go to that hangout and, and hang out with the people that we actually like, if we just feel like too tired. Notice how everyone's laughing, okay? So no one feel like I'm calling them out, okay? I feel too tired right at this moment. So I'm not going to go. We, we keep our commitments like as if everything is a greased pipe. Like you just can't hold on to it. Like, sorry, it's, it's impossible for me to grip. That's bogus. We need to express godliness in the way that we live. And it's seen in super practical ways, like keeping true to our word. Think about, think about faithfulness. It's one of the descriptions of God, isn't it? Faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness is simply being able to trust a follow-through. It's really just trusting that it, if God said it, it's going to happen. When it comes to our faith, this is one of the simplest expressions of godliness Yet we create the lamest excuses of how it's unobtainable for us. We as Christians often take hold of God's promises. And a lot of these promises that people as Christians take hold of, there we we will find a random scripture of God promising somebody something in scripture, and we say, like, oh, I'm claiming that. That's my promise from God. And we'll take some random promise that wasn't addressed to us and say, God promised me that. I saw it there and so it's mine now. And we will hold God to that promise that we find in scripture, tooth and nail. And if we feel like he didn't answer that promise within time or that random promise that we claim for ourselves, we let go of everything and say we don't want to play anymore. God didn't answer that promise. We hold the level of word and truth to our faith for things that he didn't even promise us. And we hold him tooth and nail. If he was, were to have that same standard used against us, would we hold up? Just within our friends, would we hold up? In our jobs, would we hold up? In our relationships, would we hold up? If we use that same standard, we try to apply to God, to ourselves. Of course, like God is greater. But y'all get the concept? And there are many promises in Scripture that are universal. But there's times where just out of not understanding scripture, we pull random promises that aren't for everyone. And we say, oh, that's mine. God, if you don't do this, I'm done. I'm out of here. There's a lady that I work for and I drive her places. And she'll say, oh, please let us get the first, you know, space. And when it's not, she'll say, oh, I guess God was busy. And I'm just like. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I want us to get this this concept 
because we avoid commitments in our relationships, our families, our jobs, our churches, our God, even just hangouts. And I, I urge us that today be a changed moment. Let today be a changed moment in all of our hearts and all of our minds. And let's repent together. What does repentance mean? It's not a dirty word. Repentance just means to change direction. We are walking loosely with our commitments before. Let us change direction and walk with our commitments attached to our words, our actions to follow our steps. And let's start walking towards being true to our word and committing to what matters. And I want everyone here to, to bow your head and close your eyes. That last thing I said was commit to what matters. And I want you to ask yourself, what really matters to me right now? What matters to me right now? And ask yourself, do my commitments reflect that? Do my actions reflect that? Could anyone look at my life and easily see that this is what matters to me. And I urge you to think about your relationships, think about your parents, think about your kids, think about your spouse, think about your faith, think about your relationship with God. Where is that commitment in these things that matter? And if you are sitting there and right now you, you just know in your heart that you need to reestablish some commitment. I want you to just have a moment of ministry with you and the Holy Spirit. Talk to God and say, God, I recognize this and I want to change. I want to reflect that this matters to me in my life. And if you're here and what matters most right now is just you getting right with God. You having a right relationship with Him. And you know that you need to make that change. Maybe even for the very first time. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to just lift, uh, raise your hand. Amen. So the, right where you're at, I want you to just talk to God. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can talk to God yourself. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, that surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you simply talk to God, acknowledge all what he has done for you on the cross through his, through his son Jesus, Acknowledge it. Just simply talk to him and say, I see that now. And it says, if you believe in your heart, what it's saying is if you are just genuine in this conversation with God, talking to him and having a, a real moment of change within yourself, surely you shall be saved. Have that conversation with him right now. And if you're here and you just... Feel like the Holy Spirit is dealing with your heart on 
these issues, whether it's one of these things that we've talked about or a lot of the things that we've talked about, and you just feel like the Holy Spirit is talking to you and you need to have decision moments today with God, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Right where you're at, I'm going to just pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you confirm what you have said. Even right now, let there be not a doubt in anybody's mind or heart that you are the one speaking to them. I pray, Lord, that you would just confirm and confirm and confirm. And that right now you'd cause them to feel your presence as a solidifying act to what they know they're hearing from you. And I pray, Lord, that they would experience a moment of peace as they start this new journey and walking in this new direction. And that you just help them and guide them and make them sensitive to your spirit. And let them know that this, uh, let them be reassured of this not being an emotional experience, but an experience where they've truly made decisions in their lives. And that you'll help them to follow through. We surrender to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. With that being said, we're going to go into a moment of worship. Before we do, I'm going to sign off online. Thank y'all for being a part. We love y'all. Uh, have a good rest of your life. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.